Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. This episode is with Maxwell Baines, a good friend of mine since uh, college, uh, my freshman year. We actually met technically the summer before freshman year, but uh, yeah, we were good friends at my freshman year of college in 2004. Uh, Max is a super smart guy, so I've wanted to have him on for a while. Has what I like to refer to as an encyclopedic knowledge of film. The guy just knows so much, and... So many points in this conversation, I was totally like out of my depth, and I was like, oh, I wish I knew what you're talking about so I can continue this conversation deeper. I think you can kind of hear it in my voice, or sometimes I'm just like, yeah, cool. Uh, Max now works in the movie industry, and I think he works in post-production. He kind of gets into it, and we just talk a lot about film and the new movies. Uh, he made me really want to see the movie Whiplash. looks incredible. I watched the preview. So I guess that would be the only plug I really would have for anyone uh, listening. Go see Whiplash, and I should too. Uh, big thanks to Max for coming on. Please follow the show on Twitter, the at Let's Chat Podcast. Uh, we have an email, Let's Chat Podcast at gmail.com. And you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Let's Us Chat. Please do me a big favor. Go on to the old iTunes and like, give it five stars or four if you think. That's a f- or three. Not two, that would just be mean. Three to five would be ideal. And uh, write us a review. You wouldn't believe it, but that's uh, that's like the lifeline. That would really help. I've got some amazing guests coming up. Uh, This is the first one of the new year, so for the rest of the new year, lined up. And I've recorded like four or five times this week alone. So things are kind of picking up over here. Anyway, big thank you for Max for coming on. Hope to have him back sometime. It was a ton of fun. Um... Let's get on the show. Here's your episode with Maxwell Baines. Remember rapping Duke, the hard, the hard. You never thought that hip-hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight because I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Ron G, Brucey B, Kid Dupree. Funk, Master Flex, Love, Punk, Star, Ski. Well, um... Work is good. Life is good. I I spend a lot of time working. That's I've I've had periods of life where I worked more than I needed to. Like spent too much time working. I think I finally kind of got the balance of the work life thing. I'm I'm okay with it. I like I like working more a lot than not working at all. So sometimes it's nice. Yeah, I mean, I like it because of the nature of my work. I I mean, I I do get to do really weird, crazy shit. Yeah, you're the first person who's ever had to ask me about legal teams. I it made me kind of feel really special. I was like, "Yeah, this is awesome." Well, um, I work for I work for a Fortune 200 company called Univision. Oh, you beat the you beat the top. Uh, you beat, so you're beating like three other hundred companies on that list. Yep. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, so I work for uh, El Rey Network, which is a since. Let me try that again. Which is a subsidiary of Univision. Which is the largest television network in the world currently? Yeah, I've heard. Obviously, oh, okay. And now, do you work directly on? T- so I am obsessed with television. So this is awesome. Uh, do you work for shows directly? Or are you working more like production? Or are you like the marketing? Or like, what do you do? I'm a post production coordinator, which means that I make sure that things go smoothly in the post production side, and I work in on air promos, which means. Any of those advertisements where they're talking about shows and movies that are playing on the network? <laughs> I design those. That's you. Thi- yeah, I, I, that's my primary job. I'm also the head copywriter for those things. Oh wow, that's awesome! So uh, my network specializes in when we're advertising for stuff. We talk about wanting to have a curator element to it. What makes this movie special? Why are we watching? I'll, I'll give you a title that we've done before: A Boy and His Dog. And, you know, I'll talk about that, you know, Don Johnson is fucking awesome, and without this film we would have none of the post-apocalyptic concepts that we had, like Fallout or Mad Max. These things all came from the film A Boy and His Dog. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, that's what this I do. Is, this, this is made for you, because, um, so Max, you and I, we met in college, and have remained friends since, uh, and not... Not just college, like freshman year of college, and that's no, no, no. We met two, before freshman. Oh my year god, of college. we met the summer before freshman year. So we're talking like two thousand and four. Oh my god, we're talking ten years ago. Do you remember what we called you back then? 
Oh, I hope it was something good. Well, it, Family Guy was relatively new. Yes. And you were obsessed with the Bob Dole joke. Bob Dole. Oh, yes! So oh people refer to you as Bob, Bob Dole. Dole. And it was weird because um, the joke I was always references was a, I believe it was a SNL skit with, um, God, what's the guy's name from Dirty Work? Uh, Norm MacDonald. It was uh, the, Ma- the Real World with Bob Dole. And we would just go, Bob Dole's peanut butter. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. And I'm sure I had watched that and then just kept saying it all the time because I'm kind of weird like that. <laughs> yeah, we were all a little weird back then. Yeah. Oh, that was fucking – that was great. And you used to – you have you said a joke maybe once or twice that made me laugh really hard. And 10 years later, I use this all the time and I don't give you credit for it. So if anyone's ever heard me say this, I stole it from you. They, they you'd say, oh, Vermont, what state is that in? It's okay. Oh, God, I remember that. There's a story and, behind that, actually. Because we were driving. So we went to school in Putney, Vermont, uh, that summer program, and then we went to the school in uh, Putney, Vermont. And um, there was a place called Basketville, and we'd always call it Casketville. Because, <laughs> you know, wow, we are some fucking wordsmiths over here. Well, also because it was right across the street from a cemetery. So it made sense. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh yeah. my god! And it was a uh, really... but even back then, you had like an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, film, and uh, you still do. I'm uh, so that your job sounds perfect for you because you know about movies. Yeah, I mean, we specialize in the weird and underappreciated stuff. I mean, you know, I'll I'll get a call from my boss and go, "Can you find out everything you can about spaghetti westerns?" Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Sure. Which which kind? Um, there there are kinds. All right, I'll research oh, them all. Wow, yeah. Um, so what's like spaghetti? Is that like the old John Wayne films? No, spaghetti western was an Italian western film. John Wayne in the fifties, you know, the, the western was the king genre in the U.S. But as the sixties and seventies progressed, they fell out of fashion, and so. Italy started making their own version of American Westerns, but they didn't really know what the American West was like. So they're kind of weird. Uh, This is where we get things like the good, the bad, and the ugly, which don't really make sense when you think about them. Uh, Ah. Did we take the same film class? I took Film Culture and Society at Landmark. I don't remember if you were in that one. With, With Arn Anderson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we were in that, because remember the professor, like, had schizophrenia or something, and then he left, and then we got the other guy who was incredible? Um, you, yeah, we did. You must have, because I'm sure I must have asked you everything, because you came alive at that class. We watched him, really. I, I, you knew probably equal as, amount as the professor did, which was always kind of uh, astonished me. There's a really great podcast I listen to called the Brett Easton Ellis Podcast, the, the author, and a lot of his conversations are just about, like, how movies aren't the he's kind of like he's a cinephile and sad that movies aren't as prevalent in culture as they once were but i feel like this year i feel like they were doing a lot better than the year before you know this year's been a really interesting year for film because there've been amazing films and really terrible films and the worst thing in the world isn't a terrible film it's a mediocre film a film that doesn't achieve anything do you have any good examples that for a, a com- maybe not owned by your company Oh, no, 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 we don't own anything. Um, oh, cool. You're asking for an example of a terrible film? No, like, what's, like, a a, a, ter- a movie that was just right in the middle? Didn't, su- like, what, like you said, like, the worst thing is a, a mediocre movie. This is 40. Yeah, I didn't see it, because it looked like how you, pre- I looked, at, I saw the preview, I liked everyone about it, and I was just like, I don't know. It just didn't have anything to it for me that I was like, and I just didn't get around to it. There's no sense of urgency. They don't go all out. The problems but- are... Oh no, I have to move from my four bedroom home to a three bedroom. These aren't problems. Yeah. Like two first world. And I love Judd Apatow, but I wonder if he could. Yeah, I think he might have based that a little bit off too much of his own life. Actually, he filmed it three doors down from where he lived. Yeah, I read that. And then, which I think it's cool. And like, I don't need. I, 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 suspend my, I can suspend my disbelief and I can watch a movie about rich white kids with problems, rich white people with problems, but sometimes it gets annoying as shit when they're, they're pro- like what you just said. Oh, no, we have to lose her from our very big house to a smaller house. 
life didn't work out the way I wanted it to be, but we're both successful. And like, meanwhile, that's not the case for most people I know. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I have real problems. But this year's also been a great year for really good movies, and uh, like ones that most people haven't heard about. For instance, uh, did did you see uh, the guest? No, I never even heard of that, like you just said. <laughs> yeah, The Guest was done by the guys who made Your Next, which was awesome. And it's a uh, guy comes back from, I think they say Afghanistan, and visits the family of a man who he served with who died in the war. And he just stays uh. there, and there's something really creepy about him. And it's fucking uh. great. Is that like a Sundance film? Like, did it come out of Sundance? Oh, shit, I've got car alarms going off on my side. Um, no, it wasn't Sentence. It was actually fairly mainstream. It was a, I would probably call it a, a horror film with 80s action mm. throwback elements. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to see Birdman. That's like the, the one that everyone's talking about that I like. I feel like I need to see. Oh, Birdman was wonderful. Um, the cinematography did take some getting used to because what they did was they use what's called a continuity cut, where it doesn't look like there's a single cut in the entire film. There's there's actually eight or nine cuts. But it's it's almost oh. like there's a cameraman that no one can see that's just following them around, watching. Oh, that's an interesting pre- uh, premise. But not like docu-style, because it's just one camera? Yep, just... Um, probably the most famous example of a film that was done in, like this would be Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Okay. And that one actually only had two cuts in the entire film. That's uh, it, I don't know if you've ever seen Rope. No, I'm, I'm probably the worst one for movies. I have a hard time. Um, I, know, I like to watch movies in theaters, but I have a hard time watching things at home. This one's great because it's like 65 minutes and it's awesome. It's I, could, I could do 65 minutes. Two guys murder a third guy, hide his body in their apartment. They strangle him to death with a piece of rope. Hide his uh, body in the apartment... Then they throw a party, put food on top of the 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 duffel that he's in. You know the the oh not duffel um the trunk that he's that he's been shoved into. Put it put a uh, tablecloth over it. Serve a meal on it in a party in his honor, and don't tell anyone. Wow. So are you a big Hitchcock fan, like, in terms of old film? Like, where do you start? Like, where, where do you start for, like, your, uh, like, Hitchcock? Like, who are your guys and gals? <laughs> I watch everything. Uh, Hitchcock's great. Reichenstahl, if we were going to talk about women, she was fantastic. Um, even though she was a Nazi. Uh, <laughs> uh who else? I'm a huge, Ku- I'm a huge Kubrick fan. Yes, I remember that about you. And I think I also remember you. You were the person who would talk about Kubrick and then like killer cl- killer clowns from outer space in the same breath. Uh huh. Well, actually, that semester I did an entire project on Kubrick. I looked at the yeah. trends at the view of women in Kubrick's films, and I had a, an idea that most people thought was friggin' nuts. I said that Kubrick loved women because his films were all about the insanity of life around them, and the women were never really involved in that. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I'm That's big, awesome. I'm a big fan of David Cronenberg's stuff. Uh, he's, uh, you're probably most familiar with The Fly and Videodrome. Yes, The Fly, Jeff Goldblum. And then didn't they do Fly too for some reason? Which he was not a part of. Okay. And so how does that happen in film? Like they can, is that just like when you make or, or in a movie, you're not the sole proprietor of the property so they can kind of like do stuff without you? It depends on the situation. In the case of The Fly, The Fly was a remake of a 50s film called The Fly, starring Vincent Price. So Kubrick was hired to adapt it. He didn't finance it, so it wasn't his money being played with. As such, he didn't own the rights to it. Interesting. And so um, you you grew up in L.A., which I guess might not be very uncommon because you live in L.A., but to like the rest of the world that's kind of like is what's your experience of growing up in Los Angeles like especially when you went to school in Vermont like did you notice it felt different or people would treat you differently because you're from LA when I was in Vermont uh, not really I mean um, I didn't 
I felt like our school was a bit worldly. There were some, you know, I went to a bunch of colleges, and some of them did yeah. treat me differently. Um, New Mexico was a little bit different. London was certainly different, but um, not in Vermont. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's cool. I mean, like, and it's funny because like everyone's like, "Oh, Hollywood," and you're like, "Well, kinda." Like, I know your family worked in the industry, but not like uh, they weren't the CEOs of Fox or anything. They were like regular folk who just happened to work there. No, my parents are caterers. You know, we, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, uh, we, uh, we make, it, it, but it's funny because it, it sounds really cool to someone like me, but I guess if you grew up with it and like at the end of the day, you're still a caterer. You just happen to be serving food to actors or whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get this, when you live in this area, well, at least I have, you stop being affected by, oh, it's this celebrity. It's, you know, I'll maybe go up to someone and, go, and say, oh, your performance in this was fantastic, but I won't bother them. I won't ask for an autograph. It's very rare that I'll even do what I just said. Now, who, who would you geek out over? Because I feel like I'm kind of the same way. Like, I used to work in a Starbucks in a hotel, and so like famous people would come in a lot, and I would never know who they are. I wouldn't really give a shit. But there's certain people I feel like I wouldn't be able to keep my shit together for. But they're never like the people you would think. It's not like Angelina Jolie. It would be like a character actor or like a an actor from a TV show that did one season. That like if if uh, like anyone from Firefly came in before they got super famous, I'd freak the fuck out. Or like Veronica Mars or Party Down or something like that. Like I lose it. But I like know a, it I, never happened. I know one of the guys from Party Down actually. He was in an episode. His name is Marcus Toji. But uh, no, people uh, I've geeked out over. Uh, I recently met Ben Stein. Yeah, see, that would be that's so cool. And it was an interesting guy. Yeah, it wasn't his acting career that was interesting. It was wait, you were a speechwriter for Nixon. Yeah, wow. I, was, I knew he was a speechwriter. Isn't that like how does he make that transition? I don't know. I you know I spoke to him very briefly, and I was. You know, he was at dinner, so I didn't want to interrupt him. In fact, he interrupted me because he saw me look. He looked at me for a second, and he and he introduced himself. And I was like, "Yes, I know who you are. You're a great inspiration as a writer. I I do your Why work." Why would is... he re- he recognized you? You said like from from work. No, he. So, there were like four people in the restaurant. I saw him and then looked away. And yeah. after he'd finished his meal, he respectfully walked up to me and goes, "I see you might have recognized me. I'm Ben Stein." I go, yes. Oh wow! Yeah, and that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm wor- we're working on a bunch of TV shows right now, and I do geek out a little bit when I see the guys that we're editing with. Um, like I said, I work for El Ray Network, and one of our shows is called Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. It's Mexican wrestling that we film in LA, and when the wrestlers come in, it's it's a lot of fun. Wow. Um. That's really cool. Mexican wrestling, what is, is that just Mex, is it like, uh, I'm thinking of like Nacho Libre, that Jack Black movie? Yeah, they wear the masks is the big deal. Yeah, 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 that's gotta be cool. So you get to see them in masks and perform and then just be like, hey, what's up? What are you gonna call, just drinking coffee, just, there's something weird about like seeing something behind the curtains, like I just, I, I love that shit, I think it's cool. Well the thing is, it's not. I, I, I'm, I'm never on set. I work in the post-production house, so I work in an office. And okay. we, do, we do some really cool stuff, but um, I'm where we take the raw footage and we turn it into something. Uh, so that's pretty... So you work in post-production. Uh, so it's probably... it's. Can I, I guess it's anything like... what? Uh, the, you, are you a big Simpsons fan? I don't remember. Yeah, I like The Simpsons. Do you remember when uh, Bart Simpson goes to Mad Magazine and he opens it up and it's just like a regular office? And then like, then the funny thing is they open the door and everything cranky, crazy is happening. And so is that really like what a post-production house it is? It's just like an office and it's probably not as wild and crazy as someone like me would like to think it is? <laughs> um, well, we get excited over what's going on in our offices and we do have a lot of fun, but it is just an office. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, in my place, there's a bunch of editors, and they work in their own little rooms, and then there's my sound guy, and my finisher, and my graphics guy, and all of them do amazing stuff. But it's just an office. Editors, really. I I, um, I think I was watching uh, their special features of Arrested Development, and... I, 
that was where I started to kind of realize, like, an editor kind of ultimately can really make or break a show or a movie. I mean, along with the director or the writers. But, like, at the end of it, like, because the way, especially specifically Rest of Development, it's so cut, so specific. And, like, and another example, I remember I watched Dumb and Dumber, uh, an unextended cut on uh, Netflix once. And an extra 10 minutes, it changed the entire tone of the movie. And it made me not like it. And I love the first Dumb and Dumber. But, like, so editors, like, I don't think that in Hollywood, they don't get, like, the credit they deserve. Like, a director never gets up there and it's like, I want to thank my editors. It's more of like, I did this myself. Woo! Well, actually, when we're talking about larger, longer format stuff, the editor's job is to put it together quite simply um, in a way that it's described in the script and th- they do what's called the editor's cut. Then the director comes in for a period of time and tells the editor, no, 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 can you change that? Can you add this? Can you change that? And then that's called the director's cut and that's the one that's usually set out as a special feature. And then the producer comes in and they take the director's cut and they cut that down more. Once again, the editor is doing all the work and they're just leading the way. And that's usually the finished product. The producer's cut is always the finished? Uh, the producer, um, it'll probably go to a studio executive who will have a couple of notes. But yeah, wow. that's that's kind of the process. So, the so editor, how does anything get made? I mean, that's just... Movies take a long time, I know. Yeah, they do. Um, actually, there are time limits on each one according to Directors Guild and Producers Guild rules for specific oh. projects. And you'd be amazed how quick the turnaround is for stuff. For instance, the editor is working on a film from day one of shooting. They'll receive oh, wow. they'll receive what's called dailies, and they'll string yep. the dailies together to make the movie as it's going. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Jesus, so that like so editor, so, and you, you work with some of those people. So if, well, I don't if work, I ever hear this, you guys work hard, and you're appreciated. Damn it. We don't. Actually, I don't work with anyone who's working on the actual features. I work in promos. So, so um, are we, you doing movie previews? Because I watch movie previews all the time. My company, um, part of the company, does do movie previews. Yes. Is it true? It's only that one. I don't think they use them anymore. But there was like you know the guy who would be like in a world like it was just one guy who was the voice for all those trailers way back when. There was one man who was known for it. He ran a. Sweet, he was in a. He, did you see the documentary? I know that voice. It's on Netflix by uh, John DiMaggio about voice actors. Yes, he was in that amazing documentary. Well, he's been dead for a couple of years. That guy. Um, oh, uh, really? Yep. Aw. There's a lot of great voice actors in town, and they all do really cool stuff. That guy actually ran a studio known as Voice of God. <laughs> That's awesome. But the the guys that do this job are amazing. They are, and they're a lot of fun. And at the same time, I will never physically meet them. Oh, that's kind of funny. So you don't even... Oh, interesting. No, no, we record them live in our studio. But they work through... uh, Most of them work from home now. They have really really sophisticated systems, much more sophisticated than what we're doing right now. You mean Audacity, a mixer, and Skype? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so they could... Oh, my God, so... So is no. that also cut down this cost of like studio time and stuff? It's not for that. It's so that they could get more stuff done in a day. Jeez, because those guys, I really thought it was like easy work, and then I saw that documentary, and I was like, damn. And then there's like two. There's uh, uh, more, but like, um, there's just like a few people who are like, like Tom Kenny is the voice of like SpongeBob, and then everything I've ever loved. And then uh, John DiMaggio, who's been during Futurama, is like, he's everywhere. He's fucking everywhere. He's on Adventure Time. He's in the Batman video games. He's just, he's everywhere. And it's it's just so funny how they can just disappear. I mean, it's really great. Like, I, I, I love that movie. It was it was so much fun. I, I was one of the most fun watches I've had in a while on Netflix. I think I can mention this thing. Um, our guy is Corey Burton. And I think he was probably in that movie as well. He was, um, for the past 20 years, he's played Chip, I believe it's Chip, of Chip and Dale. Oh my god! Uh, he, on the, um, 
for the Star Wars Clone Wars movie and TV show, like the the animated ones. He Those played, are really good, by the way. He's Count Dooku. Oh my god, my brother-in-law's gonna freak the fuck out. Yeah, no, and he and is my wife. the nicest guy in the world. By the and way... They, like, people like them, they could, like, do that job in Hollywood and then just go to Disneyland and have, or wherever and no one bothers them. That is true. By the way, how is the how is your lovely wife, who I've only spoken to oh, on the phone? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, she's baking. <laughs> uh, she's uh, baking cookies at the moment, so I'm very happy. You're a lucky man. Yeah, I'm very aware that I got the better end of the stick uh, of the relationship, <laughs> so gotta keep that going. Yeah, it worked out good. I totally always thought I was gonna end up single forever. That was always my goal, and then she ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who's been single for an extended period of time, I'm quite envious. I was single forever, too. Um, There's no advice. Honestly, eHarmony, I didn't think it would work, and it really did. They rejected me. They could do that? Yes, they can. I'm so sorry to hear that. (laughs) What are they, were you, like, too smart or something? uh, They didn't like my responses to things, like my my profile. They're like, um, you're lying, no, I mean, no, I'm just starky? that quirky. No, I'm just that quirky. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, it happens. That's awesome. Maybe I'm too bland then. Damn maybe, it. Maybe I'll try. Damn G- it. Maybe I'll try J date. Yeah, I was actually. That's my next thing. J date. I mean, do you care if you end up with someone who's Jewish? Like some people, that obviously really matters to them, and some people don't give a shit at all. Um. As a moral stance, not really. Um, there are cultural things that I enjoy, and actually, my my last girlfriend um, wasn't Jewish, but was very into Jewish culture, so it worked out really well. I love your culture. I'm an atheist, but jealous of the Jewish culture. The food is incredible. Mm-hmm. There's an old phrase in Judaism: "When we're happy, we eat. When we're <laughs> sad, we eat." When we're bored, <laughs> we eat. <laughs> That's... Oh, <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. You, you, you Judaism folk got her all right. We try. I don't, I don't know if that we makes try. any sense. <laughs> That's great. Uh, where do you live now? Uh, you're still, obviously, in Los Angeles. How, oh, my God. How are your folks and your brother? And uh, my dad just got his second knee replaced. My mom's doing well. Oh, that's so great. Mm-hmm. How's your folks? Oh, my dad's retired. My mom is a writing coach at a hospital for cancer survivors or something like that. I don't know, like part-time. And then my brother had a baby, so now they're like very obsessive grandparents, very very happy grandparents. That's good. It's, uh, I've never seen my dad come alive so much when he's with my nephew. Like He just like glows red and doesn't shut up about him and it's like that's my grandson I'm like I know I'm holding him <laughs> but he's great um, yeah when I play yeah. With, when I play with my cousins I, I'm my dad's the same way yeah it's kind of funny because you get to kind of get an insight of how they were when you were kids and I'm like oh dad he liked us as kids that's nice which I think we both got lucky where we didn't have those dads like we had dads who like loved us and used mm-hmm. emotions <laughs> yeah I would say so yeah which is nice and my, my dad comes from an English man, uh, English, and my, his his dad was English, and his mom's from Greenwich, and uh, so emotions weren't very strong in that family, so I think he does his best, and he's done a very good job. You know, I want to know something kind of uh, quirky, but um, I actually had my folks on the podcast, and they're one of the highest rated episodes, and it's kind of weird. That's great. I was like, really? And it wasn't, I mean, it's okay, it's not the... I, it's a good episode, but I was just like, really? I've had some pretty cool people on, and like, Carol and Bill. Like, my, my, my goal is to work in, I'm slowly working, well, not slowly, actually, it's going pretty good. I'm working into more artists and comedians and musicians is like the new, the, the goal, and it's getting there. Um, but it's fun. Uh, it's funny. Have you been on a podcast before? Because you live in like Podcast Central, and uh, now you're on one in Rhode Island. Actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, I have not been on one. I have a, I have friends that uh, let's see one two I think there are three podcasts that I know that my friends run. Oh, and do you like, know the names of them? Are they bigger ones? 
Uh, let's see. Um, There's just so many at this point. Though, my friend like, Gray uh, works for Rotten Tomatoes, so she has their podcast, Gray Drake. That's her? Yeah, that's a friend of mine. I love their podcast. Yeah, They're great. Gray is just as nutty and great in person, but I don't get to see her yeah. that often. Uh, then my buddy uh, William and uh, Whitney, my buddies William and Whitney, they have the B-Movies podcast. Are they- you, hold on, I think that's on my phone. Yeah, um, I don't, oh, I, I'm on, I, I joined Twitter and I just follow every tiny podcast I can find back and forth. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've not listened to it, but I'm looking at it on my phone right now. Oh, that's really funny, what a small world. Yeah, they're great. Actually, I'm going to hang out with um, Whitney and his wife for New Year's. It's going to be nice. You, you, you tell them someone in Providence has listened to them. I will mention that. Out. They'll get a kick out of that. That's so... And that's all... I only found them through Twitter. There is no other real reason. Oh, well, my God. Yeah, I have would... the episode. Go ahead. Oh, that's so... The B-Movie podcast. I'm looking right at it. That's so cool. You would dig them. They're, they're really funny. And um, the most recent... I don't think I'm... I'm not going to hit you up afterwards and be like, hey, any of your friends want to come on, vice versa? That's, I got marketing skills. But yeah, that's really cool because I know LA is like every podcast, a lot that I love are all based out of Los Angeles. Yeah, it's, it's we, we do a lot of stuff out here. Yeah, you guys make the films. But, but now there's not as much filming in LA as there once was. I know a lot of stuff is getting filmed everywhere else. Is that affected you at all? But, like, well, you don't have to travel for your job, which is good. I mean, like, production-wise. Because I'm in post, it doesn't really affect me. The post, it's easy to move a production. People yeah. can move, cameras can move, facilities, it's a little harder. Uh-huh. Like, uh, Woody Allen was filming in my neighborhood, like, this summer. Well, Woody Allen always films in your neighborhood. That no, man I don't is, live in New York. I live in Providence. No, I know that. Okay. Oh, what, yeah. I'm, uh, what I'm saying is Woody Allen never films in L.A. Oh, really? Never. I didn't know that. I thought he was more of a New York guy. I don't know. I think what I heard, I don't, the rumor was it was about Whitey Bulger, so Providence more, could look more like old Boston than what Boston looks like today. Like, they filmed American Hustle in Worcester because it looked more like the 70s because Worcester's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Worcester but is yeah. terrible. Where I live is not terrible. It's wonderful and beautiful. So it was actually very exciting to have that happen. I actually drove by him one day, and I drove by Emma Stone one day. It was pretty cool. But it's a little annoying because you're trying to go to work, and like traffic's all blocked. You're like fucking assholes, and they go, oh, a movie. Well, that's cool. See, it happens enough where it's cool, but not so often where I hate it. Because I, I would imagine if you like live in New York or LA, you get to a point you're like, get the hell out of my way. It it does feel that way sometimes. It's like, oh, they're filming. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. So, so someone who works in the the biz, I guess you would call it, um, what are your thoughts on the whole Sony thing in the interview? Like, I haven't really put a whole lot of thought into it, but, like, that's, what are your thoughts, basically? How Sony handled it, their lack of securing their network system, uh, the awful things they said, behaving the way you would expect uh, Sony executives to act? All right, on Sony. First off, I need to have this disclaimer. I am not speaking in any way, shape, or form for Univision or any of its affiliates. Smart man. At any point in this, I am I am a writer for the for an in, for a part of the industry, but yeah, I'm not representing them in any way. Um, on Sony, the minute I heard, I was watching as this happened on Deadline. We were watching. Going okay, wow. They they said that, and we're. It wasn't a surprise that people are saying terrible things behind closed doors. And for the record, not for Sony. I didn't mean to bash Sony. I just think that for anywhere you go, I kind of think the. I just feel any company you go to, if you look through emails, you're going to find some dirt. Yeah, I keep my emails very professional for that reason. Well, and- do you think? That must be a generational thing because everyone who's like, I'm 30, we're thir- I think we're about the same age. Like, we're very, because we grew up with the internet, so we know that. But when I talk to like, older people, like, they don't think the way I do. Like, we have an IM system, and I would never say anything inappropriate on my work phone or my email. We can go to a bar after work, and I'll say the grossest stuff you've ever heard, but I also, it's different. Yeah, worst thing <laughs> but, I'll do is I'll go off the record on Instant Messenger, like, and... But even then, that's for 
that's for friendly banter and joking. Yeah, and if I want to talk to any of my friends about something awful, I can just text them personally on my phone. So I wonder if that, that's just part of a generational thing. I think so. But back to Sony. Um, we, yeah, I mean, well, this is still Sony. We're, what was said wasn't upsetting as much as the fallout for what was revealed. People's social security numbers were given out. People's medical records. I know. Like, that stuff is just sad. That being said, I understand. Sony was going to release this until the, until the theater chains said that they weren't they didn't want to show it, and the chains are cowards for that. Yeah, Sony was going to reveal it because you know what the damage had been done. Mm-hmm. And fuck, I want to see this movie. I know it's going to be terrible. I didn't even want to see it until all this happened. So there's also that theory that so I don't think it's true. No, but it's... there's that that theory, um, the theory that a disgruntled employee did it. But after what you said about the social security numbers, I don't think that's the case. Because I think a lot of people hear a little bit of information and then can go off and make all these fun things. I didn't know that medical record stuff until you just said that. That's really sad for those employees. Yeah, I mean, people's lives are ruined. Ruined. Right yeah. But I did read some inter- some interesting stuff as following that, like, Sony uh, had had warning of their weak system for years and years and had done nothing about it, which kind of was making me think a lot about the stuff of, like, what I would consider, like, kind of the collapse of, like, the music industry, where you had these gigantic institutions refusing to, like, grow with the 21st century in terms of how to sell music to people in the digital age. But I never even thought of, like, security stuff. So yeah. it didn't come to a shock to me when I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's real. It's really shitty. Like, I think that's a thing, like not the movie, but the poor employee who had their social security number stolen from them. That sucks. Security is actually fairly tight on these things. Um, when I, oh, re- wow. when I, when we receive materials, they're, you know, a 25 digit encryption code, alphanumeric with keys and all that. And it's, it really is surprising. I mean, I'm surprised that the films haven't been released. Uh, the email system, I'm not 100% sure on. It, things are going to be changing because of this, and I don't know how. And it, it is a great concern. Oh, I mean, even like, yeah. I, and this, I mean, this is like a movie studio, which it's terrible, but this isn't our government. This isn't like the nuclear weapons, the electric, electric, it's then, I guess that's the real thing, fear in the future is like, what happens when this happens to like a, an institution, like a bank, which has happened in like Korea and stuff. But what, let's focus on movies. Cause it's more, much more lighthearted. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. Cause like I, you could read like different, I, I mean, it's kind of fun like to see behind the walls and it's wrong that I'm reading these leaked documents, but every news publication is printing things. So what am I supposed to do? But, like, of, like, who was supposed to be in Ghostbusters, what movies wanted to get remade, things like that, it's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, and, you know, I, I've read, I haven't read any of this stuff, really. I've tried to avoid it, mainly because, I mean, because if it's a significant enough thing, it'll pop up in my newsfeed. I'm not yeah, like, off. the thing they said about Angelina and Jolie I saw, but I was like, I don't care about that. I was like, oh, they were going to make Ghostbusters, and here's who they wanted to have? That's really cool, because I, 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 um, I love Paul Feig, and I actually have complete faith that he'll do Ghostbusters right. I think the biggest uh, story that was revealed in terms of movies was the, uh, have you heard about the Spider-Man issue? No! Oh my god, tell me everything. Well, you've heard that you've heard what the um, Avengers, excuse me, not Avengers, uh, what Captain America three is going to be about, right? No, I didn't even finish Winter Soldier, but I need to. I, long story short, but it was very good for the first half I saw. Captain America three is going to be Captain America Civil War. Civil War Ooh. plotline very prominently featured Spider Man. So Fox, so uh, yeah, Marvel tried to make a deal so that they could use Spider-Man. Uh, they would have given Sony a massive amount of money, a massive amount of the profits in exchange for the use for this, and Sony said no. And the <laughs> thing is, 
some of the higher up executives didn't know about this deal and they're not happy because they would have done it because there was no reason not to. Sony doesn't know what to do. Just petty, petty political bullshit. Yeah, Sony doesn't know what to do with Spider-Man and they've proven that in the last three movies. Now, I heard that uh, the only reason they repeated that movie was like it was something to do that they have to make the movie to keep the rights. Yes. And that's why they – was that true? Yes, it is. I even heard that about Fantastic Four. Yes, it is. It's like an intellectual property thing. So like they'll just – because a lot of people are like, why blah, 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 and movies and they're making remakes. But I guess a lot of it is just like you want to own that property. If it might take a hit now, in the long run, you want to own Spider-Man. Yeah, basically the deal is with a lot of these Marvel properties – is if you don't use them, you lose them. Mm-hmm. They revert back to Marvel. Eventually, Marvel will own everything again. Wow, which is also owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. Do you have faith uh, in the new Star Wars movie? Pass. I, I'm not like a big Star Wars fan, so I love J.J. Abrams' version of Star Trek. So I'm hoping it's good, but I don't. I don't know how that will be. Uh, did, so did you see Guardians of the Galaxy? Opening day. Did you love it as much as I did? One of the most innovative soundtracks in decades. I know it was so fucking great. The music was great. The mo- it made me feel like that feeling that you get in a movie. That's a very rare feeling when you see a movie for like the first time. Like there's just something about that movie. I think my favorite part of that film. Uh, one of the many favorite parts, but like, you know, when they're all sitting around and they're going to hatch out the plan and that where I felt like where the movie did something that other movies don't do, they didn't resolve anything and they get in a petty argument. It wasn't like, here's the plan, this, this, and that. It was just like, uh, the big guy who played uh, Bautista, whoever he was, he's like, kind of gets annoyed at him. He's like, I do not know what you're talking about. Like the, the banter and the dialogue was just so perfect of an actual group of misfits like they didn't really come together right away and like chris pratt i mean he's being called the next harrison ford and i i stand by that statement as well i really think he's gonna be incredible i hope jurassic world is good it looks great you think it looks great i love the print yeah unless did your company make that no 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 no, we didn't i thought no i thought it looked really great i'm I'm uh, I'm very curious to see that movie. That's something I'll definitely go see. I have some reservations about it, but um, yeah, I'll see it. You know, I see everything. For it's got like twenty films I need to see before February. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, you, that's so cool. You know what movie? Um, I don't know if it got enough play media wise. Maybe it did. I'm I'm a little, I don't have cable, so I don't really know what happens with it. I'm with it. But not. T- uh, did you see Big Hero Six? I loved it. It was a it, a movie that just stole my heart. I've not seen anything like it in my entire life, and it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie. I loved the animation. It was so good. Big Hero Six was excellent. Uh, it's it was innovative. It was interesting. Um, Baymax was fan- it stole my heart. You know, it was, it was great. I, my wife and I came back from Italy, and then we had a couple a day in Jersey. So we're like, before we came back to Rhode Island, because we were going to beat jet lags, we're like, we woke up at like 5 in the morning. So we ended up going to get lunch at this really cool place called Zinberger. And then like, can we go to the movies? It's noon in New Jersey on a Tuesday. You have to go to the movies. Like, that's what you do. And it was great. I saw it. it was, we were like us and some kids in the theaters. We we're the only adults besides like grandparents and like little kids. And her and I were like almost in tears at like three different spots in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a great yeah. film. Actually, Disney's got a lot of fun stuff coming up. I'm really excited for Inside Out. I'm What's really, that? Inside Out is a new Pixar film in which they show the inner workings of people's brains. Oh, yes. I, I think I saw that. I follow Pixar on Twitter, which they have a great Twitter account, by the way. I wouldn't know. I'm not really on Twitter that often. I have a it's Twitter account, but fun. I don't use it that often. You know what? I, I used it. I don't really use it, but then when I started using it for the podcast, it's like different because it's not me being a creep following people. It's like I have a purpose, so it's a lot more fun. Okay. So I, I think it's fun if you run something for it because then it gives you an excuse to like follow a thousand people. And not feel like a creep, <laughs> but it's really fun. Uh, yeah, Pixar's great. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, I was actually just thinking about you because, um, as I recall, uh, it was both today and then a little while back, Paul Rubens was on Nerdist. I don't know if you listen to the Nerdist podcast. And I remember you and I would talk about Pee Wee a lot because, oh, my God. I mean, Tim Burton dreaded to Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which I just found out. Again. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm so when I knew you were coming on, I knew I had to bring up Pee Wee. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Pee Wee was awesome. Uh, yeah, no, I've heard great things. Netflix, it's doing really well from what I've heard. Uh, that stuff isn't really published, but... It, it, yeah, they're, the they're very secretive with their numbers, but I did hear that the Nielsen company is going to be starting to track that, so that's going to shift everything. Oh, that'd be great. Um, yeah, but not for Netflix, but for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fine for... Yeah, well, it would... Yeah, because... Basically, if you're if you're watching Netflix, and the, then there's no way that outside people can know how things are doing, which is a problem. Well, that comes like contracts. So if you want to make, say, House of Cards season three, and then you had an increase of viewership, and they're not offering Kevin Spacey more money, or, and vice versa. But I don't care. I don't. I'm not those people. I just want to see more House of Cards. So I hope they do everything right. I haven't watched House of Cards. How is it? Great. Uh, we had a snowstorm here one year when it got released for like, and we got snowed in for four days. Blew through the entire season. It's it's a remake of a British show, and it's it, I really I really like it. Like I, it's so fun. It's so dark, a little campy. Like it goes farther and darker, so it's not like too realistic in the politics. Like it's like how politics work, and then it goes the extra mile, and there's some dark shit, and it, it's fun. It's really great. I'm Kevin Spacey is incredible, and God, I just I I was so happy to see him and David Fincher take such a risk and do something so innovative and like. Because the thing about when I watch Netflix, it doesn't to me doesn't feel like anything different. It's like watching television for me, except without commercials, because I don't have cable, and that's it's great. But we were talking about um, oh Pee Wee. I wanted to talk to you about Pee Wee because we're both big Pee Wee fans as kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, no, I, you've, met, you've met Paul Rubin. I have met Paul. Yeah, he I, came off as the nicest, coolest, sweetest man in the entire world on the Nerdist podcast. He is the nicest, sweetest guy ever. And, you know, he's they're, – they're working on making a new Wee movie, and I'm really excited for that one. I can't even – I know. It's great. I learned that he uh, – Wee was uh, a character from the Groundlings. Yeah. And I didn't know that. And I was like, oh, my god. I never, like, got to hear – that's one thing I love about podcasts, especially with big famous people or people you loved in your – you don't ever get to hear those people talk outside of their character. And I was like, oh, Paul Rubens had so much more depth to them than Wee, Like – just such an interesting, smart, funny guy. And he's talking about how he goes out all the time and never gets recognized because he did a character. So he can just go out with a baseball cap on and no one ever recognizes him and he lives a very nice life. Yes, he does. And he's he's a really sweet guy. Um, I wish all the best for him. Still need to watch Blacklist because I heard he was on a few episodes of that. Oh, wow. I mean, he's great in Blow. He was great in Blow. He was really great. And then he was even in an episode of Murphy Brown, I remember, at one point. And just think, and the way he ha- – remember, like, his scandal he had? He handled that so well when he came out to the MTV Awards and he's like, hear any good jokes lately? I can't do his voice. And it was just like – the guy gets it. He's in on the joke and he's just so, so smart. Yes, he is. And there's a documentary, I don't, you might, if you ever get the chance, you should check it out. It's called, um, Beauty is Embarrassing, and it's actually about Wayne White, who's a artist, who had worked, uh, he was, like, set designer for Pee Wee's Playhouse, and then has done the Smashing Pumpkins music videos, and just all these, he's, like, one of those people that you don't know his name, but he's, like, kind of responsible for, like, a lot of the artistic stuff through all, all of my childhood, and... He was in Pee Wee. Um, Paul Rubens was in that as well, and I was like, yeah, "That's awesome." I had to get that Blu-ray DVD with all the extra features, though. There's oh. some big stars on that. Oh, you're talking about the new the new Pee Wee setup? Yeah, yeah. There's like some big stars. And yeah, like, no, no, and, I, and they spent so much time working on it. It's I've yeah. seen I've seen some clips of it. It looks fantastic. And Isn't his suit a different color because it was such low quality back then? Yep, I believe that's true. I, I it's. I think I'm quoting him saying that from the podcast, if uh, if I do remember that correctly. Um, but yeah, they put in tons and tons of work. In the documentary, um, Beauty is Embarrassing, they showed like footage of they would do this thing called Pee Wee After Dark underneath the sets with the puppets and just do raunchy puppet shows. 
Sounds about right. I mean, that's the origin of the original Pee Wee Herman show was yeah. a lot raunchier. It was what? It was a lot raunchier. It was kind of dirty. And that's what, and that's when we had the Pee Wee Herman show on Broadway was more like what it originally was like. Wow, that is incredible. Oh, speaking of theater, I know we've been talking about movies, but you were a, a theater person from my re- recollection, and you were the person, I, I still wish I got around to it, but you always told me to see Avenue Q. And it hasn't been for the last few years where I started to really appreciate theater since uh, around the time I met my wife, believe it or not. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. But those, the people of Avenue Q, if I'm not mistaken, they wrote the songs for Frozen. Yes, they did. The biggest movie in the world, probably, at one point. And I really liked Frozen, to be honest. I really liked it. Frozen was a lot of fun. I did a lot of research when I was... I, I'm kind of a big, giant Disney buff. Um, That's awesome. Frozen was interesting because originally they had intended Elsa to be a villain. And it wasn't until the song Let It Go that... Um... Wait, no, I'm sorry. Did I say Elsa? I meant Anna. Anna, okay. Kristen Bell's character? No, no, no. It should be Elsa. Yeah, yeah. I'm... Wow, I'm like... I'm big Disney buff. Now I'm getting everything wrong. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> no, they originally wanted Elsa to be a villain. Uh, and it... They wrote Let It Go, and they're like, no, we we can't make her a villain anymore. This song's great. And that's what really made the movie so good, is it was about the sisters that love each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, Olaf, of course. Who I think is overrated in terms of their character, but, yeah, he's fun. You yeah, know, I, I was impressed with that movie. So what else have you seen this year that you are, in recent times, that you were impressed by? Um, Whiplash blew me away. What's that about? Uh, Whiplash is the story of a sophomore at a jazz conservatory who kind of gets destroyed emotionally by his teacher for the sake of art. And it talks about the question, what would you do to push your art? It stars Miles Teller, who's probably most known for his performance in The Spectacular Now, as this young drummer, and he's fantastic in it. And, but the performance that really blows everyone's mind is the teacher. Um, it's played by J.K. Simmons, and I know you're probably thinking, "Who the hell's J.K. Simmons?" When Wait, you look, he's uh, he's from Rhode Island, I believe. This will probably be his first Oscar nomination. Wow! Yeah, because he um, has stuff at Trinity Repertory, uh, Repertory Theater a lot. No, he's he is a, a tour de force in this film. His performance is outstanding. Oh, I'm looking at him. Oh, that guy's in everything. Yeah, I know. He's in everything. everything and he never gets the credit. And this film, he he does an amazing job. Um, he has this one line that blew my mind. He says, there are no two more damaging words in the English language than good job. Oh. Yeah, wow. I'm looking at his thing as we talk. I'm like, yeah, everything. He was also an episode of... Uh... Party Down, which is probably the thing he would not want to be remembered for as everything he's done. But yeah, Whiplash, you're right. Wow. Yeah. I had to check that out. Um, yeah. Whiplash was a lot of awesome. fun. Um, I like the performances in The Imitation Game, which stars Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. I can never pronounce his damn Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. I love him. Have you have you seen Sherlock, His the BBC version? Uh, yeah. I, I usually uh, get it as quickly as possible. I was going to say, like, that's made for you. My wife and I been I love it. And I, is that, wait, the movie you're talking about, is that the, the Codebreaker in England movie? Yes. I want to see that so bad. I also just heard him on Nerdist Podcast, another awesome fucking human being, and such a talent. Like, such a talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree on that note. If you want to have a good laugh, when he's on Nerdist, at the very end of Nerdist, he just starts talking. He decides to start making fart noises and naming them. And it's Benedict Cumberbatch. See, you think that's strange. I think that happens. Oh, no, of course it happens, but it's great because I see him as Sherlock and all these serious roles. But then on the podcast, he can let his hair down and just be a silly, weird, funny dude that he is. Yep. Oh, that's great. Um... Do you still perform at all, or are you just work-focused? Uh, in theater? Not really. Um, you know, most of the time in theater, I was behind the scenes anyway. I was the sound yeah. designer. I was the stage manager. I, you know, stuff like that. Um, 
I do have some stuff I'm working on right now um, for television. And if they if they happen, they happen. And if they don't, they don't. Like um, stuff that you've created, like your ideas you're trying to get made? Um, there's there's that as well. I am working on a couple of shows that I'm trying oh, that's to really cool. get off the ground. That's awesome. Because you're, you're, you have... Do you think a lot of people in like the behind the scenes have that like want to be in front of the camera to some aspect? No. And honestly, it, the one thing that I'm going for that's in front of the camera is only because of my very specific skill set that mm-hmm. I'm even being considered. Fame is never really like your end goal. Not really. I mean, I'd like to go back to school and get a master's and eventually start teaching film studies. Oh, you'd be so good at that. Teach film appreciation. Uh, Maybe do something like Leonard Maltin does, where I introduce films as an expert on, Mm. you know, for for the official uh, releases, stuff like that. But, you know, I don't need, I don't need the money. I don't need to be recognized on the streets. Respect is a whole different matter. Yeah. Oh, I love Leonard Maltin. Um. He, he's great. He is great, and he's a um, fun dude. I've met him a couple times. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a he seems like a who. Um, there's um, a a great podcast called Doug Loves Movies with Doug Benson, and they actually have a game called the Leonard Moulton Game, and he's come on and played it, and it's really fun. I'm bad at explaining how they play it, but you would be great at it. Oh no no no! What what's, what is it exactly? Got to tell me. I'm really bad at explaining, but it's like. So they have a bunch of guests on the podcast, and the game is like they have to guess. Basically, like Doug Benson picks a movie. Like there's like different categories of like years, different topics. And then he picks the movie, and then he reads off what the uh, the Letter Mountains review and how many stars he gave of it. And then there's more rules to it. But then it's like each person has a guess of how many. If they can guess the movie, and then it's like in how many names they can go down the credits of uh, the credits list. I think they go all the way to like twelve. So, so you'd be like, it would come to your turn. You'd be like, I can guess it in with nine names, and the more you, names you could throw in there and accurate, you get more points. It's it's Doug Benson is like he's a comedian, but he's a true cinephile. So it's really it is actually about the love of movies. So it's really fun. I could do that if they're not ta- if they're not just asking me for actors because I can list off cinematographers and directors and art yeah, directors. no, it's actors. Yeah, you'd be like, I can tell you the Foley artist. You're like, yep, okay. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Mm. Um, that's cool. So before we almost hit, before we wrap it up, I always like asking people like if you can say this, like, what do you think the future of media is? Like movies, television, they're still going to be there. But the way they're distributed to us is it's constantly changing. Like what do you, and and not to represent your company, but your personal like view. What do you think is going to happen? What I what I hope to happen and what I think is going to happen is the same thing. I'm looking forward to a la carte television, where I don't oh, have to. Oh God, me too. I've read that a lot of it is because of sports. It is, and like, and that's the reason cable is still the way it is, and it's. I mean, it's still doing well, but, you know, eventually it's not going to be there. The way it works right now, cable providers charge, a, uh, get paid a certain amount for each channel, and channels have different rates. My channel, for instance, um, this is a guess. Uh, most channels, CBS, uh, well, most, most cable channels, like, say, the Learning Channel or Discovery, probably a quarter. ESPN goes for six fifty. Sports cost more. They just do. I would like to be able to, to get, you know, the tw- all of HBO, all of Showtime, spend the 10 bucks on that, add the 25 channels I want, and nothing else. And that would be great. And this yeah. would bring back people like you who don't have cable anymore. If you could watch FX and, yep. a- and AMC, you know, the yep. channels that you want to see, you'll yeah. come back. And TBS, I love reruns. I said it. And what that you know, it's funny. I steal HBO Go and Showtime anytime as it is right now. Anyway, so I have that Hulu Plus, Crackle, YouTube, Netflix. Like I'm never at a loss for something to watch. And what's going to happen if we do all the car television is my field will become really exciting because we'll be doing what's called cross-channel promoting, in which I'll design a sp- I'll design a spot that will try and sell, come to my network, 
you know, from other things and explain what shows we're doing and what interesting things, and that'll be a fucking blast. Do you think the Nielsen company will ever not exist or it will exist? Because, like, in television, it's people like to, I've heard it referred to as, like, the Nielsen lie. Like, they don't sample, like, the numbers are never actually right. And that's why, like, Big Bang Theory has gigantic numbers and then Breaking Bad has nothing. But uh, maybe that was the wrong example. But Breaking Bad was even, well, all right, let me start that over. A show like Community was not posting good numbers when it started, but it was getting such high numbers on Hulu. I mean, astronomical. The reason it's going to be on for a sixth season on Yahoo, and and it's just the way the Nielsen they do their their sampling. It's not even like what is it? It's like one in every like ten thousand people, or something like that. It's something ridiculous. No, no, so I wonder no. what's going to happen with the ratings because now that they need. The technology exists to actually have accurate ratings. Like Netflix knows numbers. They have probably the most valuable data. HBO Go, they know what's, who's watching what. That's why the comeback is here again. Like people are watching shit. At the same time, the issue isn't that Nielsen is inaccurate. The issue is that the people that Nielsen's recording are not the people who are watching it on Hulu. Because the people that are watching it on Hulu don't have cable anymore. Yeah, they were doing it, or they are doing it, where they do digital, because I was one of those people for about six months, and it was a waste of fucking time, and they ended up getting rid of it, but but they also, I think they do like .0007% of digital-only watches, so that's not an accurate reflection of the numbers of what people watch digitally. Yeah, and they'll pay, and in certain groups, they'll actually pay to get the responses, yeah, um, they said that we yeah, we got like fifty bucks and then like a dollar a month and then I was like, Alright. And then they switched the district, so they, they took us off. I made fifty one dollars, so it was whatever. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I, I was fine with it. It was but like I love community. That's one of my favorite shows. I, I love it so much. It's what's gonna happen in T V and films is gonna be interesting. I pray that it's not what Spielberg predicts where Independent films will be cheap, and big blockbusters will cost fifty bucks to see them. TV, I'm hoping for a la carte. I don't. I think Spielberg might be a little wrong on that. I hope not, right? Because like I've heard that talk, like uh, that, that that movies will one day become like the new theater, where it's just like thirty, forty, fifty bucks to go to a movie. But I don't. I don't know. You never know. I mean, and so many things could happen. There's so many variables, so it's fun to predict. I like. To think, but it's interesting to see how like now it's like a big blockbuster movie that costs millions and millions and millions of dollars that makes a billion dollars, like Transformers, and then there's like really tiny indie movies. But those movies in between, the movies I generally tend to love, are kind of not there as much anymore. Like the five ten million dollar movie. Yeah, the, there is no middle ground anymore because it costs. Uh, once you've reached a certain amount of money. In, you know, you're in so far that you have to do a full advertising campaign, and a full advertising campaign could cost more than the movie itself. Oh yeah, and, and so much is based off of, of uh, like how is this movie going to do? Because like, the international market is more important than ever. Like Transformers Four, the Mark Wahlberg one, which I did see. Uh, my brother-in-law loves action movies, so when we hang out, we go to the movies together. So I was like, yeah, I'll see Transformers. Half of the movie takes place in Japan. China. And it was so heteronormative and, like, very... I'm sorry, China, not Japan. Sorry. Um, it, but it was just, like... It almost took a step back in edginess because China's a little more strict and conservative with, like, the Mark Wahlberg... Like, giant dinosaur kills... Or dinosaur. Giant Transformer kills his fucking friend and lights him on fire. Gets in the car and he's like, Are you having unprotected sex with my daughter? I can't handle it. But... It's Transformers, so I'm not going to bitch about that not being perfect. The number one way of getting films to be what you want them to be, and mm. I'm saying this more to just you, but to anyone who might be listening, is to vote with your dollars. Yeah, that's you... the same with music. It's politics. It's it's tough, because I think the people like me, I, I like going to the movies, but it's really expensive, and a lot of them suck. But I get happy when I go to the ones I like. I go to a lot more winter movies in the winter, though, I think, like, like a lot of people. Yeah, if you want to see films that you like, don't torrent them. Go to the I don't theater. torrent. I'll be a hundred. I don't even know how to torrent. I am in that like perfect age gap where like I had Napster. I lo- after like Kazaa, I have no idea what to do. 
I uh, I wait for things to come out on Netflix and I get them sent to my house or I get them from the library. Okay. Or I'll, I'll buy and I I think the next generation is going to be more like video on demand, buy in iTunes, and they're putting the value back in music and movies again. I still like to own a DVD and I like to have the special features. I do too, mainly because. Yeah. Well, if there's an EMP blast and you lose all your stuff on, you know, the server, I have no record that you bought it. Why should we give it to you again? My DVDs, my Blu-rays, yeah, those short of a fire, I'm good. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've watched the Clerks two making of more than uh, maybe more than I watched Clerks two. Have you heard? And of I love making, Clerks two. Have you heard they're making Clerks three? Yeah, uh, Kevin. I love Kevin Smith. Have you ever met him? Uh, no, I haven't. And I like Kevin Smith until Tusk. Tusk made me it, hate him. I didn't see it, but uh, uh, I still love him. The joke about Tusk is that I paid to see it. Did you see it? I went to the theater and watched it. And it was one of the few films I've ever said, Oh my God, I want my money back. Wow. Yeah. I like him as a person a lot, and I like some of his movies, is how I put it. Because he does, he's, does a lot of podcasts, so that's where I like to listen to him talk. But I don't know if I'd see all his movies. I hear his director's cut of Jersey Girl is fantastic. Oh, it's I never, should watch that. You know, it's never been released. Now, here's the deal. Um, who played his wife in, uh, Ben Affleck's wife in Jersey Girl? I'm blanking. Uh, Jennifer Lopez. She was in half the no, movie. No, no, no. Um, oh, God. Liv Tyler? No, no, no. It's Jennifer Lopez. You're right. That's Geely, I'm thinking. No, no. It's Jennifer, I think it was Jennifer Lopez. But she was in half the movie in the original cuts. Oh. They cut her down to, like, 15 minutes. So it's a completely different movie. And that is why I've heard, like, it's only screened in a couple places. And I heard everyone uh. that was at those was like, oh, my God, that was great. And they cut it down and they ruined it. You know, um... I've noticed, did you ever see the movie Hancock? I have. You don't have any ties to that, right? I could shit all over that? Go for it. And even if I had ties to it, you could shit over anything. Okay, cool. Um, that feels to me like a movie that they made and then went back and redid it because what the fuck happened? Yep. Because <laughs> Tom Lennon uh, of Reno 911 fame is like listed in the credits. He's in it for two seconds. And he's not that famous. Oh, that happens. He's famous. That, that happens a lot where they'll end up cutting someone out of the film unintentionally. But I mean, intentionally. There's, that movie is going a certain way for a while. And then there's literally, like, it's almost like you could see a, like, a cut mark where they're like, and then we refilmed the entire last half of the movie and changed the plot line and now it's terrible. It's quite possible. I do, it's like, oh, by the way, I've been alive this whole time. You're like, what? Oh, this was a good idea. But I like what you said at the beginning that the only the real crime is a movie that is like nothing. So at least I, I have that's the thing. Like I always like things that are artsy and innovative and different. But you gotta let. I think you need to let artists fail and do things that suck. And whatever that movie was terrible, but maybe all those people went on and did something great, and that's all I can hope for. Yeah, go go for it. Go all out. If you, I love Jason Bateman so much. <laughs> There's so much, you know, I, I would love when a film, when a filmmaker clearly, even if they're going in the wrong direction, at least they're going in a direction and they're working on it and they're trying something. And that is great when they can That's do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, well, did I miss anything? Um, please, let's do this again. This is really fun. Hey, I just like talking to you. Yeah. And uh, let's, anytime, I mean, I have always need content, so we should do this again. But did I miss anything you want to hit up? No, and no, I'll, no, I'll no. Sh- Awesome. Well, thank you. It's been 